Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 939 of the Juicebox podcast. Brittany is an adult living with type 1 diabetes who was six months pregnant when we made this recording. My note at the end tells me this episode is very funny, and uh, that's what I'm going to tell you about it. Brittany's cool, she's a special education teacher, and she's funny. She recorded this in her car, I think. Oh, actually, she definitely did. She recorded this episode in her car on her lunch break. I hope you enjoy it. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Let's see, 10% off your first month of therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox, 35% off your entire order at cozyearth.com with the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout, and a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs is what you'll get with your first order at athleticgreens.com forward slash JUICEBOX. Today's podcast is sponsored by me, and I choose to tell you about the private Facebook group, JUICEBOX Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook, 40,000 members, over 110 new posts every day. There is a conversation happening right now in the private group for this podcast that you would be interested in. So head over right now to Facebook and join that group. It's absolutely free. I know you're going to like it. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. For those of you looking for the series, uh, like Bold Beginnings or Defining Thyroid, they're all in the Featured tab of that private Facebook group. But if you're not on Facebook, check them out at juiceboxpodcast.com. Go to the top, click on the menu. You'll see all the different series within the podcast. I'm Brittany. I am 28 years old. And I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 12. So have had it for more than half my life now. Mm-hmm. And I am... A special education teacher. I am six months pregnant. And so this pregnancy has opened up a whole new journey of my type 1 diabetes that I never really came to terms with. I guess I say now that I used to kind of live with my diabetes side by side, and now I feel like I'm living with it head on. But <laughs> Interesting. We'll we find out what that means. That. Yeah, let's find out what that means. Tell me one more time. How old you are? 28. 28. Okay. I know everything I need to know to make a podcast that is interesting, entertaining, and informative, <laughs> and much more popular than other podcasts. Here we go. Do you think that other people listen and think, but I do pre-work, and I ask people a bunch of questions, and I, I know what they're going to say, and I have questions set up, and... Nobody listens to my podcast. No, no. I, I don't think when I listen to it, I don't think you do. But I'm always really impressed at how natural you are asking people questions. Oh, yeah. I'm not like, you know, now we're into it. I am not prepared at all. <laughs> it's a matter <laughs> well, I particularly of- like God. Arden's episode really opened my eyes and like 
when she was talking about how she had a wedgie and stuff, I'm like, am I cool enough to be on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> she was just so effortlessly at ease. <laughs> well, listen, Brittany, if I told you what I was doing 10 minutes ago, you'd be like, that's your prep for this? <laughs> so, all right. Well, we'll let everybody wonder what that is, and, uh, and we'll get going. So 12 years old, you were diagnosed. That is 16 years ago. I don't want to throw you off with how quickly mm-hmm. I was able to subtract two from eight and one from two, but it's pretty impressive. I'm I impressed. Think. Yeah, yeah. Um, 16 years ago makes it 2006? 2007. Seven? March 2007. Okay. March 13th. Okay, so when you... I think get, it was a Friday the 13th. You think it was Friday the 13th? Mm-hmm. Wow. I like the way you're trying yeah. to name the episode in the first few months. <laughs> Spooky vibes. Also, uh, everyone should appreciate that Brittany is recording this from her car outside of her place of employment. Yes. Six months pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there any chance you'll have to pee during this? No, I ran to the uh, every minute that you're teaching is so sacred. So I ran to the bathroom before I got to this call. What are the children doing right now? Did you lock them in a big like closet? <laughs> no, they're in specials. So either PE art or dance. Mm-hmm. You lock them in a closet. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Just just some of them. Are they in your trunk? <laughs> <laughs> God no. Okay. All right. Well, that's lovely. Uh you were right diagnosed right sort of at the beginning of CGM. So I'm interested in how you left the hospital with technology or not. Yeah, I didn't get a CGM until, I don't know, maybe 2010 or 11. I was in one of the studies um, because I live outside of Boston. So I was in one of the studies for Joslin diabetes. And they basically paid me to wear like the huge, I don't know which one it was. It was like a big black circle that was the most obnoxious loud alarms. Um, And it was very inaccurate first how much did they pay so i didn't i think i got like a thousand dollars and they paid for my parking so my parents were really excited (laughs) and parking why thank you and this thing's just gonna beep an alarm forever and never be right (laughs) oh i can't wait so exciting well it was nice of you to be part of a trial it wasn't it wasn't a part of my life or even on my radar when I left the hospital. I was totally like finger pricking and doing injections. I didn't even know CGM existed yet. Okay. All right. Interesting. So um, injections, meter, how long did you go mm-hmm. like that for? With just a, Were you doing syringes or a pen? I did syringes for probably a year. I think I upgraded to the pen in eighth grade. I think I got a pump halfway through freshman year of high school. Okay. All right. So, all right. That all makes sense. Um, what was your first pump? The Delta Cosmo. Oh, you the had, best pump ever. <laughs> you had the Cosmo. I had the Cosmo. I loved it so much. As does everyone else who has ever spoken about <laughs> it. What What about it was so I amazing? I don't know. I like. I think about that all the time because now I wear a T slim with Control IQ, and I think if I had the Cosmo as an option today, I would take it. Really? So I don't know if it was. Just, yeah, I don't know if it was an emotional connection. It, it's um, got to be sentimental. It has to be sentimental. It couldn't be better than the Control IQ, could it? No, no, no. no it's totally a sentimental thing. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I just think it was like, I don't know. I, I also went to diabetes camp shortly after getting diagnosed. And that was like a huge foundational part of my type on diabetes life. And I just remember like, I never wanted a pump. I didn't want anything on me to do with diabetes. And then I showed up to camp and saw all these people with these Delta Cosmos on. And I was like, I want one of those. Oh, I see. So, okay. So right now, yeah. so salesmen and women right now for pumps and CGMs are like, oh, okay. Give them to the kids at the camp. <laughs> that's, yes. what, that's what hooks them. <laughs> that's all you need for advertising. That camp Diabetes camp was your free taste? Because it was what? Oh, look at you. Not a drug person, Brittany. I said your free taste. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Diabetes camp was everything to me. How come? Um, well, getting diagnosed at that age in middle school was really difficult. Uh, I feel like I was like trying to figure out who I was. And then I get this disease in seventh grade and the kids are mean that's what I teach now I teach middle school Mm -hmm. um and kids are just brutal at that age and so you know I had this I was went to a smaller school so everyone knew I was in the hospital when I came back from the hospital it was like the girl with diabetes is now here um and some of the boy there was a specific group of boys that really bullied me and I just struggled so much with that. And I tried, I think, to use humor as a coping mechanism a lot of the time. But inside, it did really bother me. Um, And I did have a period of trying to hide my diabetes. Like, I would not go to the nurse or my injections. I would just, like, sit in class and, you know, pretend like it wasn't time to go take my insulin and go to lunch and eat without insulin. Um, Because of the pressure from other people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I would stand up in class, and these kids would make, like, little snickering seventh-grade comments. Was this, a, um, um, was this a seventh grade thing or a Boston thing or a mix? Not for nothing, but you people are mean. Prob- yeah, yeah, probably a mix. <laughs> Is it the cold? Probably a mix. <laughs> it probably was the cold. It was, like, I don't know, month seven of winter here in march i don't know yeah right is it is it month seven of winter is it is it how bad the red Sox were for how how long or like what it's the is it the wind that comes off the water because it's it's i've only been there a handful of times and uh i make fun of canada but hellscape okay it's just terrible cold oh yeah wind uh and it rain if it rains you're like oh my god oh my god oh my god it's yeah yeah no, okay. So it was season, seasonal bullying. Seasonal <laughs> bullying induced. <laughs> Be honest with me. Were they any nicer in the summertime? <laughs> I don't know because I avoided them at all. I was at diabetes camp. I, I where I want to go back in a time machine and find out if those kids were just pleasant <laughs> in the spring and summer and just nasty in the wintertime because their, their little prepubescent balls were cold. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. All right. Well, this is terrible. Um, you know, we're laughing through it, uh, but you see this pressure. And that's what I did. You know, yeah. I think I started to use it as like, oh, haha, I do have, di-. like, if you're going to laugh at me, I'm going to laugh too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I, I make a lot of jokes with my diabetes and, you know, and, and then at Diabetes Camp, we made a lot of jokes too. So, but at least it was with people that understood where I was well, coming that, from. Well, that's understand. That's, ex- that's acceptable. If we're all, t- if you're all together in it, then 
then that's fine. right. So they joke and snicker and bully, and you go along with it to avoid the friction and probably figure, well, I'll make fun of diabetes as well. Uh, but then that leads you to not taking care of yourself as well. Yes. Do you ever tell definitely. your parents? No, I, I don't think I did. I think I, I used it so much as humor that I convinced myself that it was funny and I never would have went to them thinking or saying, yeah, you know, I'm getting bullied. I don't think I even thought of it in my head as bullying. Do you think they knew you, what was happening? No, no. I think th that's a whole other part of like my diagnosis age. It was like right at a time when people are, you know, kids were becoming independent. You kind of like are on this learning curve of like, I don't know, all we could do in that in Boston was go to the mall by ourselves. But like, you know, going to the mall by yourself or going to your first sleepover and I really wanted to do those things. So I think I constantly had to prove to my parents that I can still do these things with my diabetes. It doesn't bother me. No one makes fun of me. I got this. So I would say my parents really only were actively involved in my care, like day to day for the first like six months. And then I really like took it and ran. Wow. Okay. My, um, here, this is how pregnant are you? Six months? Six months. Oh, actually, yeah, because when you asked to be on the podcast, you're like, maybe I'll have a baby, hopefully. I was like, oh, I know. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought maybe I will, you know, be trying or like be very recently pregnant. Um, I got pregnant like three weeks before my wedding, which was a surprise. So, right. way to go, Brittany. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> No, no, it's not. I guess as long as you don't still, recommend. I, I guess as long as the dress doesn't need to be fitted again, who cares? One way or the other. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, I I fooled a lot of people. So uh, yeah, <laughs> you tricked your eggs, that's for sure. So um, <laughs> yeah, Brittany, I, I'm going to share something with you. The reason I asked about how pregnant you were is because I don't know how emotional you'll be when I say to you that um, one of my biggest fears as a parent is that what I think is happening isn't actually happening. Mm -hmm. So you're managing your kids, I guess they call that parenting, uh, or loving them or doing mm -hmm. whatever it is you're doing based on the information you have. And mm -hmm. when they live with you and they're young, that's the easiest time because all of the influences and variables that impact them, you're aware of. And then mm -hmm. the minute they leave the house the first time, you don't know what they're doing. And it's horrifying. Yeah really really horrifying like right now i don't know what arden's doing and it, if i mm -hmm. stopped and thought about it too much i'd spin the circle get in my car drive to where she is which I'm, i think i'm supposed to say is chicago and so um if you heard her episode i guess you'll get that if not i don't know um and so mm -hmm. uh so i drive that's what i would do right now just to see that she was okay and um yeah and, and i often wonder like how my parents were able to give me that independence. And I think it's just the way that I carried myself and also not having Dexcom, well, <laughs> not having the follow out. Yeah. Because they didn't know what was happening. And so but what I was going right. to say is the way you do that is you either cling to just blind ignorance and look away and go, it's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, or you are steeped in it so much that it makes you mental. 
and, and you exactly. know, hopefully you can find them. I, I argue now that diabetes is like, you know, more accessible with all the technology, but mentally a lot more challenging, I think, for caregivers and people living with it. It's interesting, though, but what's the next sentence? However, right? May I? Can I fill? Mm-hmm. Brittany's yeah, like, go, I don't know what you're going to say, you freaking idiot. All right, just tell me. Uh, what is this? A, this is a, what are we, in the middle of a game show? I got I to gotta fill in the blanks. I, I take your point, right? Like, there was a time previously where you didn't have the data and you could go, well, it must be okay. Except for some people, it works out okay. And for some people, they end up with serious health conditions. Exactly. So... And I feel extremely grateful that I'm not one of them. And I sometimes, I'll look back on my life and it's not like I was like super out of control or had these like, you know, 12, 13 A1Cs. I really never got there. I was always in like the sevens and eights, Mm -hmm. um, which my husband does laugh now because he thinks I was just in the sevens because I was either 350 or 40. (laughs) And so I was just somewhere in the middle. May I say, Brittany, that that is how that happens. Yes, yeah, I know. And your yeah. podcast taught me that. And I was <laughs> listening one day and I was like, shoot, oh. <laughs> I've been called out. <laughs> I thought I did. Now, here's an interesting situation. Been called out. Did you know that you were coming to that number dishonestly or and you were ignoring it or did you not know? Uh, that's a good question. I think I might have known in the back of my head, but similar to like denying my bullying i was like well you know it says the average is 150 so i must be doing pretty good like i i don't think i let numbers get in my head too much um okay do you know every time someone says that's a good question in my head my voice goes i know (laughs) 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 but reflecting back on it i think a lot about how wow, I did all that and I had diabetes. Like I just, I really was letting it live by my side. I was controlling it enough to survive, but not really thrive. Okay. If that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. I mean, I'm not trying to change the world in this moment, but I am trying to put into people's heads that ignoring something doesn't mean it's not happening. Yes. I think that, yeah. You know, you have to... you're, you're making a trade. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. I, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen constantly in life or all sorts of things. You know, everybody who uh, uh, at the end of the night walks through the kitchen and grabs a piece of candy after they brush their teeth, you're making a trade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to be sugar on your teeth while you're sleeping. Um, so you're probably going to get a cavity and it's probably not going to happen mm-hmm. for a year or two. And then you're going to get it and look at the dentist and go, oh, I can't believe this. You know yeah. what I mean? And the dentist. I think that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, you know, when the, the lady that cleans your teeth um, asks you if you're floss and you lie to her and say yes? <laughs> yes, every yeah. time. Yeah. She knows you're lying. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was me at the endocrinologist, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Where's your meter? I'm not sure. Oh, meter. Huh. Goodness sakes alive. Did I need to bring that with me? I forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the lady cleaning your teeth knows you're lying. You know you're lying. <laughs> then the dentist comes in to see you. He knows you're lying, or she. Ladies can be dentists too, Brittany. And um, mm-hmm. and then you know, I just said that because my dentist is a man, right? <laughs> because Brittany, I would never go to a female dentist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm upset that I have to say I'm just kidding because I would like the joke to just lie there, but you know, I don't need people yeah. misunderstanding. Um, I get it. You're, but, you're in a public platform. Right. So this is one of the things about life that I dislike the most. I've brought this up before. I hate being in a space with another person and they're lying and I know they're lying and they know they're lying because everything feels mm-hmm. like a huge waste of time when that happens to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't want yeah. you to waste your time. I don't want the people listening to waste their time. Like either, you know, I don't know, either either dive head first into the pool without water or, or take the time to fill it up and splash around it the way you're supposed to. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, yeah do or do not. I, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't save all of you. You're going to listen or you're not going to. I don't know what to say. So, okay. So you're, um, so you're coming up through that time. Did you go to college? I did. Did you take yeah, care I of went your to, Good. I started at a college right in the middle of the city and absolutely hated it. Um, and then ended up going to the state college that my parents had been asking me to go to for five years anyways. <laughs> but I just had to go for that one semester just to prove myself. And then I was like, okay, I'll go to state college. Yes. This sucks. Just like everybody said it was going to. I'm going <laughs> yeah, to it's exactly what I thought it would not be. But <laughs> yeah. So then I went to a school that was 20 minutes away from home, um, which is why I didn't want to go to it in the first place. But I actually ended up having a great experience there. So yeah. No regrets. The idea of moving away from home for college is just so that it feels like you're doing something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. So, so it feels like I had to be, adventure. you know, in the city. Cosmopolitan, maybe. How did you take care of yourself in college? <laughs> I think I was, you know, lying to myself like I just did enough to get by I don't think I well for I should preference this with like I did not pre-bolus until two years ago mm-hmm. when I started listening to your podcast um so that I think was the majority of my my lack of care I guess I just I would take insulin way after eating so I'd be covering high and I would take a lot you know, I'd be a rage bolusser. Mm-hmm. And I would come shooting back down and then I would treat my low with a lot more carbs I needed to and come back up. And sometimes I'd be somewhere in the middle. Um, but looking back, I don't know if I would change that. Like I still was able to do a lot of amazing things in college without letting diabetes stop me. And I think that was just like that was the care that I needed to be having. And the time of my life. I want to understand that better because it feels like you're arguing with yourself, but then at the end, I think you're making a point, but I want to make sure I understand all of it. Does that make sense? What I just said. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, because it feels, it felt like in the first two thirds of what you said, it felt like what you said was, well, I didn't know to pre-bolus. I did know I was going to get super high and that I would need a whole bunch of insulin just to kill that high. But then I came tumbling down again and had to catch it with a bunch of food, which all sounds like a lot of work to me. Um, Mm -hmm. But then you said, but I don't think I would change it, even though you know better now. So can you not put yourself in that position with what you know now and say, oh, that would have been better if I would have done it like that? Like, why do you think it would have been a, why do you think the trade-off was okay? 
I think the trade-off was okay because I, I really think, I truly believe that it has led me to where I need to be now. Like, especially being pregnant and going through all this with my diabetes, like, this is the care that I'm, you know, my A1C is in the low fives right now, being pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it's been extremely challenging, but also really rewarding. And this is the care that I need right now. After I am not pregnant anymore, I will try to always have an A1C in the sixes. But I just, I look at it as like certain times in my life. That was the care that I was, I was using to get by with what I did. And I'm okay with that. Okay. What what do you gain by not having a five five A one C after the baby? I think I gain for me personally a little more mental stability or flexibility mm-hmm. and the ability to just, you know, prioritize some other things. Like if I don't get every pre bolus or I don't get every overnight in the 100, 91, 100 range. I'm going to be okay with that. I just think that, and that's how I kind of got through my life in college was like, I had some other priorities and sometimes my diabetes was on the back burner. And I don't know, it might sound crazy, but I, I was okay with that. No, Brittany, I'm asking, and I appreciate you being so honest about it because this is one of to me, one of the most fascinating conversations that I see adult type ones have with each other. This idea mm-hmm. of, um, I trade a little bit of this for a little bit of that. And, and I don't not understand it. I'm just trying to just trying to dig into it more so that, that I can get it because you look at, maybe it's just personality, right? Like I'll, I'll just use Jenny as an example. Since you listen to the podcast, like Jenny eats a certain mm-hmm. way. She manages her blood sugar a certain way. She gets you know, she's not ultra low carb or anything like that and still has fairly tight tolerances that she maintains most of the time. And she still has two kids and a house and a husband and a job and she goes running and plays with her children and she seems happy. So I'm not certain. I'm not, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't. Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting too. And I, I have friends with diabetes and just a few months ago, I was at an event with them. Um, and you know, I was managing diabetes again, was at the forefront of my mind during this event. And I noticed and heard like a lot of their like alarms going off or, you know, they, their blood sugars were not nearly in the range that mine were. And it kind of took me by surprise because I hadn't been around them in a while. And I've been managing an A1C in the low fives. And I was like, wow, you know, I would hate to be that number or. I would hate to hear that alarm right now at this event, but it didn't appear to be bothering them. And I've been in their shoes. So, you know, in that moment, the event was the priority and their blood sugars are just doing what they were doing. So and is, they weren't completely ignoring it. Yeah. So is that a, um, but it, a lack of bandwidth? I don't. Like, what do you mean by like, that? Well, I, I don't understand why you can't bolus at the event. Like seems- they were bolusing, but they weren't. It was like an event where we were eating the whole time. It was a wedding. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, going into the wedding. Okay, I'm going to take some insulin here. I'm going to do this. I'm, I know, I'm going to be dancing later. Let me 
do this temp phase. Like I had all these things running through my mind and I was actively doing it. And I kind of saw that they were more, you know, taking their bolus. I saw them taking insulin, but at the same time, I heard a lot of alarms going off and this and that happening. Yeah. And it took me by surprise, but then I was like, you know, if I wasn't like, if I wasn't pregnant or these weren't my goals, I guess at the time, would I be like, I don't know. It's made me reflect a lot on different, I guess, seasons or chapters or goals that I've had at the time, what they were and how my control has been. And that might completely change after my pregnancy. I don't know. But I'm just saying now that I've been a person that managed in the seven eighths of in A1C and the habits that caused me to get there versus now, I think for my mental health, I will I will try to be somewhere in the sixes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that's completely reasonable, by the way. I'm not judging the 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 target. I'm just trying to understand the process. Those other people you were with, can I ask you, do they have children? They don't. Uh-huh. Were they single? No, I'm, I'm one of the first in the group of um, my close friends with diabetes to have children. And, and I know that they've been asking me a lot of questions and just kind of amazed at what I've been able to do because I think we all have had similar management being diagnosed around, you know, yeah. the early 2000s and... So you know the yeah. thing the thing you know that they don't know is what? Maybe it's not a thing you uh, know. Maybe it's a feeling you have. I guess it's just the deeper understanding of insulin, oh. all the variables that can affect you. So were you managing this way prior to being pregnant? I had an appointment with my endocrinologist in November of 2021. Mm -hmm. And it was my first appointment with an adult endocrinologist. And they asked me, you know, do you um, plan on having a family in the next year? And I was getting married in June. And I said, yeah, um, I would like to, you know, it's something I've started to think about, but, you know, even though I wasn't always managing the way that I am today, I still like, I never let diabetes stop me from doing what I would consider some pretty impressive things. Mm -hmm. Um, But pregnancy was always one that I was really, really intimidated by. Like I knew my A1C was not where it needed to be. And I wondered how am I going to get it there? So at this appointment, she completely discouraged me. Um, And she essentially just told me the A1C that I would need, you know, ideally under 6.5 before conceiving. And then under six during the pregnancy, but gave me no like, and by the way, you know, you you do do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah. And I had had the lowest A1C at that appointment. I got my A1C now to 6.7. And that's entirely because of control IQ. Okay. So control IQ, which I had in April of 2020 really did change my life. And I think it opened the door for me seeing a different lens of management. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I left that appointment in tears. I was like totally distraught because she, and told, she told you you couldn't have a baby is what it felt like. Essentially. Yeah. It's yeah. I just thought, you know, this is the lowest I, and with control. Like he was a little more motivated, you know, and I was kind of curious, like, Oh, I see it's giving me an automatic correction or mm-hmm. it's shutting off my basal here. Like, let me take a closer look at this. Like, why is it doing that? 
And so I felt like I had the best control. I felt like I, you know, was just giving it my all. And I still had the 6.7. And that was something I previously would have been so proud of. But at this appointment, I was like, if this is my best and I need to get it even lower to have a baby, I'm never going to have a baby. Right. Did that eventually become motivating to you, that interaction, or was it always an impediment? I think for a month, I kind of wallowed in self pity. <laughs> Just, you know, still kind of like hovering at that 6.7. I started using Dexcom Clarity and really looking and just being like, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I just wasn't trying new strategies that helped me get to where I am today. Okay. So probably in like the, after the new year, I said to myself, you know, well, let me just try a small goal. Let me see if I can get it to 6.5. And that's when I stumbled into your podcast and I don't want to get emotional, but I truly don't know if I would, be pregnant today if I hadn't learned some of the skills that I've learned on here. Brittany, is this the moment? <laughs> where I start crying? No, where you tell me you're going to name the baby Scott? Is this it, is it going to happen? <laughs> is this it? Because I don't have any fanfare music or anything to play, but if this is it, let's take a break and I'll get some like trumpets or something. It's not. Is it a girl? It's a girl, isn't it, Brittany? I actually don't know. Uh, I'm not finding out. Uh, that's what I would say, too, if a guy... <laughs> made a freaking podcast was haranguing me about naming my baby after him. You know what I mean? I can't break your heart after that. No, it's okay. So the control IQ is not as valuable as the podcast. Is that what you're saying? Because I would like that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that you need to still know how. No, of course. Yeah. Insulin works to use it. Like, like for example, I got my A1C notice 6.7 with control IQ, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'll be happy to be using control IQ after my pregnancy. Oh, I think the um, beauty of that is that you started seeing it do stuff and you're like, I wouldn't have given myself insulin just now. What the heck's going on? And and you exactly and, and you look at I'm you've heard me say it, right? Like watching loop mm-hmm. work, like it leveled me up. Like I, yeah. I I was already doing really good and I knew what I was doing. And then I watched the algorithm work and I was like, Oh, I do that. Is that why I'm yeah. doing that? You know what I mean? Like like Oh, like it gave me context for some of the things I had figured out to do, but maybe a hundred percent didn't know why I was doing it uh, all, all yeah, the time. It's it's incredible. Yeah. I have a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Did you see mm-hmm. how I stopped you from crying? People will think that I gave myself credit for something, <laughs> but really what I did was I saved you from crying. You're welcome. Because <laughs> you're in your car, Thank by you. the way. You're in your freaking car. <laughs> and I don't need people looking yeah. over going, hey, hey, 911. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's going on, right? But there's a pregnant lady in a car. She's bawling her eyes out, and she's on the phone. I think you need to go help her. Although that would be great for the <laughs> podcast if the cops came, unless they tase you. Would. Unless they tase you, <laughs> that'd be terrible. So um, terrible, but I mean, if you were okay <laughs> and the baby was yeah, okay, just, I mean, just a plot twist. Yeah, maybe it's just a good thing for social media. When I'm like, hey, on this episode of the podcast, <laughs> Brittany gets tased in her car. She's pregnant, by the way. Make sure you listen. Um, so uh, you said a, you said a couple of things. Um, one of them I'm, I'm most focused on. You said the thing that everyone says that I don't understand. I didn't let diabetes stop me. Mm-hmm. What that sounds like to me, and I and I know there's more context to it because and this is why I like people to understand it. It's like saying to me, um, I knew if I walked into the reactor 
I was going to get radiation poisoning and quickly die. But I didn't let that stop me. I did it anyway. That's how it feels to me. Like, like, it, like when I think of it didn't stop me, I think of Jenny. I think of my A1C is in the low, is in the fives. And I went running. Mm-hmm. I didn't let diabetes stop me. That phrase makes total sense to me. I was running mm-hmm. around with an 8A1C, but I still went to Bonnaroo. I didn't let diabetes stop me. Sounds to me like I ignored diabetes to go to Bonnaroo. And so, mm-hmm. but, but there's a, there's a, I don't, I'm not judging it. There's a kernel of a reason in there. There's a, gotta be a reason why so many people say it the way they say it. And I'm going to keep asking this question until someone satisfies me with an answer. And you might be that person today, Brittany, so no pressure. But what does that mean to you that you had health outcomes that you knew, well, excuse me, health outcomes that I think you knew weren't great, but you were ignoring so that you could go do a thing so you could say diabetes wasn't stopping you? What does that all mean? Tell me, please. I think that means to me, so And I think this also loops back to the question we were talking about earlier. I didn't know what I didn't know, you know, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So to me, living with diabetes was a lot of roller coaster blood sugars, severe lows that would scare me sometimes, Um, you know, hours of stubborn highs, not having my pump supplies when I needed them. You know, it that's what it was to me. And even though those it, things happened, you didn't give up. Exactly. Okay. That makes complete sense to me. I wish people would just rephrase the sentence. <laughs> that I completely understand. <laughs> yeah, and and now that I know and that's what I kind of meant earlier. Like I and I'm still proud of myself from those times. Oh yeah, sure. Where like course. I had these like terrible blood sugars or just inconsistencies with my management and I just kept pushing through and it didn't, it really didn't stop me. Like I did, um, you know, hundred mile bike rides for JDRF. Um, in college, I traveled to an Island off of Africa. I went to Portugal. I went to Belize on all these service trips and my parents were just like, yeah, you got this. Like, and I, you know, would just bring what I needed to bring. And I got through, each of these huge things without really thinking too much of it. Like I just let diabetes left to the side and I just kept on pushing through. Well, thank you for explaining it to me that way, because that's beautiful and almost made me cry. Um, like that. I understand. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, the intent of the phrase is lost on me sometimes. Like I didn't let it stop me. I think that's because I don't have diabetes, honestly. So I think if I had it, I would understand that better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just just the idea. Oh, yeah. There's definitely understanding of when you actually have it. Yeah. Because I just interviewed somebody the other day who's had five different transplants. And they they said, diabetes never stopped me. And I was like, it sounds like it's stopping you. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. it's so, um, but I take it. It's it's more of a, um, it's more of an intellectual exercise. The idea of it's not stopping me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because of, like, the age I was diagnosed how like soon I took diabetes into my own independence yeah, and still what I was able to do throughout my life. And Mm -hmm. I think when I think back on those times, like, wow, I had diabetes then like, it just doesn't even seem like I did. Yeah. No, I mean, you (laughs) were, you were running drugs off an Island in Africa. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That is what you were doing, right? <laughs> no, I was no? doing service and teaching students. <laughs> is that code for slavery? Were you were you transporting people? What, what is happening exactly? I don't know what you were doing. Oh, you were really you were helping people. Yes. Well, oh, wait a minute. But you're from Boston. You're not a. Wait <laughs> yeah. a second. I have to get it's this. It's contradictory. Right. You're not. You're not a Mormon. Oh my God. Are you Catholic? <laughs> I was raised Catholic. Ah. A mission, of course. You're on, you're on Irish mission. Catholic. Yeah, you. Oh, yeah. Okay. You wanted to make sure Jesus would let you in. Is he going to let you in? Did you? Mm-hmm. Did you get the? Did you get the nod? Fingers crossed. <laughs> 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 my mother-in-law, uh, my my wife said, all growing up, my mother-in-law would do something that she clearly didn't want to do, but that was a good thing, and that it, she was like clearly like trying to like get points on the ledger <laughs> like like i'm gonna get into heaven for this one <laughs> anyway catholicism is great at making people do things they don't want to do that are nice which i think is terrific so um did you want to do this thing why are you so nice uh, she's dead we knew it was gonna happen Brittany, did they tase you Brittany, Brittany, tell them <laughs> Tell them you've done nothing wrong. All right, obviously we've lost the connection. Hold on one second. Well. When she pops back on, I really want her to go, it's Brittany, bitch. But I don't think she's going to. She's not coming back. Do you think, do you think her phone went dead? I'm going to text her. Did your water break? Did you have to pee? That's better. She's not answering. Hmm. My best guess is that her phone died. Because she was just gone. And now she's not answering. This is super interesting. Maybe one of those kids got out of the trunk. And accosted her. That could have happened. That's probably what happened. Now that we're thinking about it. One of the children that she stuffed into her trunk. So that she could be on a podcast. Very irresponsible. Escaped from the trunk. Probably with that little hatch they give you in the back. Also, um, there's a like a latch that you can get out of. I don't know if you guys ever heard. There was oh my god, there was a girl named Brittany that was on the podcast one time who was kidnapped in the back and put in a trunk of her own car. This, this is something. Hold on a second. I'm looking that up right now while we wait for Brittany, who who I'm not gonna lie could be dead. Um, I'm Googling juice box kidnapping episode 102. Brittany Diggs was abducted and escaped. I can't believe, Oh, here comes Brittany. Hold on. Hey, 
Hi. So did one of those kids get out of the trunk and jump you? No, that was actually your fault because my phone overheated being on the dashboard. <laughs> okay. Wait, how is that possible? Aren't you in Boston? I don't know. I just lost you. And then it said temperature. The phone is too hot. It needs to reboot. Wait, I are feel you terrible? First of all, saying my fault seems I, I mean, in this day and age, we don't blame people for things. Okay, Brittany? All right. Try to be a little more woke than that if you could. And um, but what happened? What what state are you in? I'm in Massachusetts. Isn't it twelve degrees there? Well, it's the fall, so it starts off as 30 in the morning and then it gets to like 80 for like two hours of the day and then comes back down. Brittany, sweetheart, do you need a new phone? Is this, do you want, <laughs> do you want to do one of those things where people send money? What are those called? Yeah. I can't think of what they're called, but um, I'm glad you're okay. I, at first, I'm okay. I was worried you were tased by the police and then no, I, re- I realized it was were, much less exciting than that. Yeah. I realized you were Irish Catholic and in Boston, so you're probably safe. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So okay. So well, I'm glad you're back. Um, I don't know where we were because I did so much talking while you were gone, trying to imagine what happened to you. By the way, <laughs> during my um my imagination period, I realized that a woman named Brittany was on the podcast years ago. Uh, she had mm-hmm. been, she had been kidnapped, put in her in the trunk of her own vehicle, and she used the light from the screen from her insulin pump. To get out of the trunk. Oh my, that's my worst nightmare. And her name was Brittany. <laughs> Please don't tell me that. Yeah, Brittany. That's right. People with diabetes get kidnapped and thrown. I'm just kidding. You're so <laughs> that's pregnant. That's literally you. my worst nightmare. How is that your worst nightmare? It's not freezing to death? Because that would be mine if no. I lived there. No? What, you, wait, you seriously have a concern about this? I do. I don't know if it's like my my past life or something but i've like always been afraid of getting kidnapped and then i watched that movie like when a stranger calls <laughs> right at the peak of like my early babysitting years and every time i babysat i was just like paranoid like looking out the window maybe this is karma because you traffic those people and outside of africa exactly and, yeah, it could be that too you know what you were doing what comes around goes around <laughs> exactly it's just Exactly what comes around goes around. <laughs> oh my God. There's no way to know if people understand my sarcasm. You you understand, Brittany, perhaps because you're from Boston, that um my personality I have dialed down to like 30% so I can make this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I get the vibe of that listening to you oh, multiple okay. days. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Week. yeah. I'm I'm literally chaining myself down just to give enough humor so that the a normal person can be amused. Because yeah. If I were to give the whole thing, I think three people would listen to this podcast. <laughs> Be like, this horrible man seems to know how to bowl us, but I, I don't, I can't make it through the joking about about human trafficking. So, um, anyway, all right. So, by the way, which is on the rise and not a joke. Did you know that? Mm-mm. I did. Yeah. My husband's actually a pilot, so oh, so he, he traffics people too, like you. It's a family <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's a team. It's a teamwork thing. So you lure them in with the big Irish smile, and then he sells them to people yeah. or transports then he, them? then he flies the plane. Oh, what a family business, Brittany. And we call this teaching. I see what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Special education, sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good cover for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to put it on your business card, I don't imagine. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, all right. Anyway, uh, it's horrifying that this happens in the world, and um, 
I I don't mean to make light of it. It's just you said an island, and I was like, oh, people must go to islands to take people. That's where my stupid yeah. brain jumps. I was going to say Cape Verde, which is where I went, but I don't know if people would know that. Oh, that's a lovely place. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, had you said that, I would have gone in a completely different direction. I would have been like, oh, you're just there lounging around, pretending to help people in the sun. I see what you're doing, Brittany. Um, so let me go back to my train of thought here, which is I'm going back to the wedding you were at recently. And how your, di- mm-hmm. your your other diabetes friends were maybe had alarms that were going off and things were happening that weren't happening to you. I just think it's responsibility. I think mm-hmm. you got married. So now you don't want to let another person down. Mm. Then you had a baby. And now you realize that baby's going to be alive forever. And you're going to have to take care of it. Yes. And so you take care but of I'll- yourself so that you can take care of others. Yeah, you're talking about me in particular. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Brittany's like, yeah. Well, are we still talking Sam about is my husband? Scott, I don't. Or is this the real conversation again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sam is my husband. I don't mind saying his name. Okay. Um, and he was, you know, we we met in college, mm-hmm. so there were many times where he saw me having terrible lows in the middle of the night after drinking or whatever we were doing and I don't know like he's seen me through all these different phases too with my diabetes and I I have felt his support at every different one but I guess I do feel a responsibility now yeah I mean it's one of those things that as you get I can't believe I'm saying this I sound like somebody's dad I am somebody's dad but you are as you get as you get older you start to get more perspective and you recognize, like my wife has COVID right now. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's French COVID because she went to Paris for work and then came home and had COVID. So I'm calling mm. it, I'm calling it French COVID, though I don't imagine there's much <laughs> difference. And um, like she's pretty sick, and she's like, as soon as we realized she was sick, my son and I were like, get upstairs, get away from us, get away. She's like, but we're like, shut up, walk away from us, go, go, we'll bring you things. Then we brought her cleaning supplies so she could clean the bedroom. We're like, hey, while you're up here, why don't you put these clothes away? Yeah. Um, but when she needs something, like, I just go right in there. Like, I, she's like, don't yeah. come in. And I'm like, no, you need this. I'll come in. It's the, yeah. it's the, it's a weird thing that happens. If she and I were dating, I'd be like, why don't you call me when you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry, in college, drinking or whatever we were doing. That's a quote. Uh, what what else were we doing in college? I don't know. Staying up till 4 a.m. eating crappy pizza. And, <laughs> like, then, get, just and, then, and then getting low. Yeah, just I don't even want to. I mean, I guess I did have Dexcom. I don't know if it. I had that big, the first one in college still. The oval, like egg shaped one. I don't want to know what my blood sugars were then. Okay, so you weren't paying attention then. I got it, because you were trying to hang out with this boy. Yeah, I was paying it. I was paying attention enough, and I don't want to sound dark, but I was paying attention enough to survive, to wake up the next day. And that was on purpose. I guess so. I guess I prioritize like being with my friends and having the social life and having quote unquote fun. Mm-hmm. Um over because you know i'm pregnant right now but like 
I think it takes a certain amount of effort, even if you are like an insulin mastermind, to get an A1C in the fives. I think you have to be trying, and I definitely do not want to be trying at that at that time in my life. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that. That's kind of one of the things I was hoping you would get to. I think you're 100% right. Like, there is a, there is a lot of effort that goes into keeping an A1C that low at, without being low all the time or high. Exactly. Yeah. And mentally, too. And, like, I just was living my life. I was doing my thing. Like, I didn't want to be having diabetes in my mind more than okay, I just ate, I'll take insulin. Okay, I'm low, I'll eat something. Okay, all right, well, that's helpful. Also, you're scaring the hell out of uh, countless tens of thousands of people right now whose children are gonna go to college one day with diabetes. They're like, wait, what? I know, None and of- I feel terrible about that no. because I'm part of your Facebook group and I see the anxious parents. No, you should not feel terrible and- for telling the truth. Don't don't feel terrible about that. Listen, Arden's been in college for a month, Brittany, and I know. There's been gaps of time where I'm like, "Hey, you should bolus. Hey, change your pump. The pump's shot. Change it now. It's fine. It's not. Change it. I'll do it later." Yeah. Three hours later, Arden, your blood sugar's been 200 for three hours. I know. I'm I'm about to change my pump. I'm really busy. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. but it really only takes three minutes to change the pump. We could have done it three hours ago. And what I've realized is that this is one of these things that I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get accomplished with a crowbar, like, right. Like I'm not going to beat her over the head and get her to do this. I have to just, mm-hmm. I just have to be there at the right moments to be like, Hey, this is what a bad pod site looks like. Change your pump. Mm-hmm. And, and then at the end of the day, say, I'm glad you changed it. See how quickly your blood sugar came back down. I think we could have found these five minutes, three hours ago. Um, yeah. Next time. And, try to do that i'm just trying to nudge her i'm glad that you said that like it's three minutes of your time and i so relate to that like in the big picture it really is three minutes of your time Mm -hmm. but mentally i think living with diabetes it takes up more space than that yeah is it and i think that's what i always tried to find a balance of is it because it takes you out of what you're doing and then makes you think i have diabetes and i have to put this thing on now and like is that probably i don't even know if i think I think it's so deep in my whatever my my core that I I don't think I'm actively thinking that, but it must be that it's like oh I have this thing where I need to change this to stay alive. Mm-hmm. It's like my dogs. This morning I wanted to get into the shower, and I woke up and I thought, oh, I'm going to sneak into the shower and then I'll go take the dogs out and then I'll go interview Brittany. And I was. Mm-hmm. In the restroom, bathroom, I guess in your own house, you call it a bathroom. But when you're somewhere else, it's a restroom. That doesn't make any sense, does it? No. <laughs> oh, I guess you can't bathe in a restroom. All right. No. I was in the bathroom. No, hopefully not. Well, I mean, I guess unless you're a truck driver or or a lady of the evening or a man of the evening. Because sometimes you got to wash your junk off, I would imagine, in between, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I was in the bathroom and the dog barks. And the bark is like, I have to go outside and I'm old. And if you don't come down here, I will pee on something. And I'm like, okay. So I redress myself, go downstairs, let the dogs out, look at them and go, all right, I'll be back when I get done talking to Brittany. And I go back upstairs and take a shower. I don't imagine that that took more than five minutes, but I was irritated by the time I got back upstairs. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's not a similar situation where you're just like, it's only going to take me five minutes to do this, but... I just don't want to. Not right now. It doesn't fit here, maybe. 
Exactly. And then those five minutes are happening every what? If you change your site every three days, which Mm -hmm. I arguably don't, but (laughs) that's all these minutes of your life are adding up. Right. You know, but now even taking insulin, but you're doing those things now while you're pregnant and you're still working. It's not, it's not like you're sitting at home. So, so now is there a difference? Um, I think it has been an adjustment because I took the whole summer off. Um, I actually babysit for a girl that has type one diabetes. She's five years old and her family is the family that introduced me to your podcast. Oh, hi to them. Um, yes, they listen. They will be listening. Um, and you, you know, think they're going to be upset, Brittany, to learn that you, her. Brittany, do you think they're going to be upset to learn that you're involved in human trafficking? <laughs> very much yeah, so probably gonna lose your job the baby yeah. yeah for sure okay um, i'm sorry I cut, I cut you off because i was so delighted by my thought you're you you go ahead so most of the summer was either being off like really focusing on my diabetes every day like it was a full-time job or babysitting her which was i'm also focusing on her diabetes so coming back to work and doing what i have been doing now for my seventh year teaching i don't know it might be mm-hmm. um and it is harder I, I i've i've had to adjust it's not impossible and it's totally doable and that would be my big message to anyone that wants to have a type 1 pregnancy or just get their a1c lower um but it is an adjustment especially when you've been living your life in a certain way for so many years um and it hasn't really bothered you right. it's it's hard to make that transition from living side by side to really prioritizing it. So so there was a lot of value in you making time for yourself to figure out how you were going to do this. Yes. Okay. 100%. Interesting. Very interesting, actually. Well, Brittany, I'm so sorry to tell you we're up on an hour and I'm worried that you have to go back to work. Yeah, it's, it's coming up on that time. I'm so sorry. And we wasted all that time with your overheating phone. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, that's my fault, as you pointed out. <laughs> And just real quickly, there's no way the baby's going to be named Scott, right? I don't think so. Yeah, it's okay. Because it's, it's a name. Is that right? <laughs> no. I mean, I think naming a child is arguably one of the hardest things I'll ever do. I feel like people do it so, like, I don't know, effortlessly. But uh, to but... my husband and I, it seems like the biggest deal ever. All right. Well, I wish So we... there's I... no name picked out for either a boy or girl. So we might be naming them oh. in the hospital as we exit. Well, that, that'll be fun too. Don't worry. I wish yeah. you, I wish you a ton of luck. Congratulations on the baby and your, and your new family. And, and I really appreciate Thank you. you. This. I know we messed around a lot, but your, your core message is really strong. And, and I appreciated you sharing it here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's my pleasure. It really is. A huge thanks to Brittany for coming on the show and sharing her story. And of course, I want to thank you all for listening. I haven't said this in a while, but you support the show in a way that is um, just magical. Today was the first day of summer and the fifth most popular day in the history of the podcast. It is completely because of the way you all listen, subscribe, follow, and share. So thank you so much. I don't really have anything else to say tonight. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Thanks again for listening.